Letter thirty five of Clarissa Harlow, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Clarissa Harlow, Volume three by Samuel Richardson. Chapter thirty five. Mr. Lovelace to John Belford, Esquire saturday sunday monday upon such good terms when we parted i was surprised to find so solemn a brow upon my return and her charming eyes red with weeping but when i had understood she had received letters from miss howe it was natural to imagine that that little devil had put her out of humour with me it is easy for me to perceive that my charmer is more sullen when she receives and has perused a letter from that vixen than at other times but as the sweet maid shows even then more of passive grief than of active spirit i hope she is rather lamenting than plotting and indeed for what now should she plot when i am become a reformed man and am hourly improving in my morals nevertheless i must contrive some way or other to get at their correspondence only to see the turn of it that's all but no attempt of this kind must be made yet a detected invasion in an article so sacred would ruin me beyond retrieve nevertheless it vexes me to the heart to think that she is hourly writing her whole mind on all that passes between her and me i under the same roof with her yet kept at such awful distance that i dare not break into a correspondence that may perhaps be a mean to defeat all my devices would it be very wicked jack to knock her messenger on the head as he is carrying my beloved's letters or returning from miss howe's to attempt to bribe him and not succeed would utterly ruin me and the man seems to be one used to poverty one who can sit down satisfied with it and enjoy it contented with hand-to-mouth conveniencies and not aiming to live better to-morrow than he does to-day and than he did yesterday such a one is above temptation unless it could come clothed in the guise of truth and trust what likelihood of corrupting a man who has no hope no ambition yet the rascal has but half-life and groans under that should i be answerable in his case for a whole life ah but hang the fellow let him live were i king or a minister of state and antonio perez it were another thing and yet on second thoughts am i not a rake as it is called and whoever knew a rake stick at anything but thou knowest jack that the greatest half of my wickedness is vapour to show my invention and to prove that i could be mischievous if i would i could hardly forbear taking her into my arms upon it in spite of an expected tempest so much wit so much beauty such a lively manner and and such exceeding quickness and penetration oh belford she must be nobody's but mine i can now account for and justified herod's command to destroy his mariamne if he return not alive from his interview with caesar for were i to know that it were but probable that any other man were to have this charming creature even after my death 
the very thought would be enough to provoke me to cut that man's throat were he a prince i may be deemed by this lady a rapid a boisterous lover and she may like me the less for it but all the ladies i have met with till now loved to raise a tempest and to enjoy it nor did they ever raise it but i enjoyed it too lord send us once happily to london darkness and light i swore were convertible at her pleasure she could make any subject plausible i was all error she all perfection and i snatched her hand and more than kissed it i was ready to devour it there was i believe a kind of frenzy in my manner which threw her into panic like those of semele perhaps when the thunderer in all his majesty surrounded with ten thousand celestial burning glasses was about to scorch her into a cinder had not my heart misgiven me and had i not just in time recollected that she was not so much in my power but that she might abandon me at her pleasure having more friends in that house than i had i should at that moment have made offers that would have decided all one way or other but apprehending that i had shown too much meaning in my passion i gave it another turn but little did the charmer think that an escape either she or i had as the event might have proved from that sudden gust of passion which had like to have blown me into her arms she was born i told her to make me happy and to save a soul i saw she was frightened and she would have had reason had the scene been london and that place in london which i have in view to carry her to she confirmed me in my apprehension that i had alarmed her too much she told me that she saw what my boasted regard for her injunctions was and she would take proper measure upon it as i should find that she was shocked at my violent airs and if i hoped any favour from her i must that instant withdraw and leave her to her recollection she pronounced this in such a manner as showed she was set upon it and having stepped out of the gentle and polite part i had so newly engaged to act i thought ready obedience was the best atonement and indeed i was sensible from her anger and repulses that i wanted time myself for recollection and so i withdrew with the same veneration as a petitioning subject would withdraw from the presence of his sovereign but oh belford had she had but the least patience with me had she but made me think she would forgive this initiatory ardour surely she will not be always thus guarded i had not been a moment by myself but i was sensible that i had half forfeited my newly assumed character it is exceedingly difficult thou seest for an honest man to act in disguises as the poet says thrust nature back with a pitchfork it will return i recollected that what she had insisted upon was really a part of that declared will before she left her father's house to which in another case to humble her i had pretended to have an inviolable regard and when i had remembered her words of taking her measures accordingly i was resolved to sacrifice a leg or an arm to make all up again before she had time to determine upon any new measures 
how seasonably to this purpose have come in my aunt's and cousin's letters i have sent them in again and again to implore her to admit me to her presence but she will conclude a letter she is writing to miss howe before she will see me i suppose to give her an account of what has just passed curse upon her perverse tyranny how she makes me wait for an humble audience though she has done writing for some time a prince begging for her upon his knees shall not prevail upon me to spare her if i can but get her to london oons jack i believe i have bit my lip through a vexation but one day hers shall smart for it thou seest belford that my charmer has no notion that miss howe herself is but a puppet danced upon my wires at second or third hand to outwit and impel as i please to such girls as these who think they know everything and by taking advantage of the pride and ill-nature of the old ones of both families to play them off likewise at the very time they think they are doing me spiteful displeasure what a charming revenge then the sweet creature when i wished that her brother was not at the bottom of mrs howe's resentment to tell me that she was afraid he was or her uncle would not have appeared against her to that lady pretty dear how innocent but don't think me the cause neither of her family's malice and resentment it is all in their hearts i work but with their materials they if left to their own wicked direction would perhaps express their revenge by fire and faggot that is to say by the private dagger or by lord chief justice warrants by law and so forth i only point the lightning and teach it where to dart without the thunder in other words i only guide the effects the cause is in their malignant hearts and while i am doing a little mischief i prevent a great deal thus he exults on her mentioning london i wanted her to propose london herself this made me again mention windsor if you would have a woman do one thing you must always propose another and that the very contrary the sex the very sex as i hope to be saved why jack they lay a man under a necessity to deal doubly with them and when they find themselves outwitted they cry out upon an honest fellow who has been too hard for them at their own weapons i could hardly contain myself my heart was at my throat down down i said to myself exuberant exultation a sudden cough befriended me i again turned to her all as indifferent over as a girl at the first long expected question who waits for two more i heard out the rest of her speech and when she had done instead of saying anything to her for london i advised her to send for mrs norton as i knew she would be afraid of lying under obligation i could have proposed to do so much for the good woman and her son as would have made her resolve that i should do nothing this however not merely to avoid expense but there was no such thing as allowing of the presence of mrs norton i might as well have had her mother or her aunt hervey with her hannah had she been able to come and had she actually come i could have done well enough with 
what do i keep fellows idling in the country for but to fall in love and even to marry those whom i would have them marry nor upon second thoughts would the presence of her norton or of her aunt or even of her mother have saved the dear creature had i decreed her fall how unequal is a modest woman to the adventure when she throws herself into the power of a rake punctilio will at any time stand for reason with such an one she cannot break through a well-tested modesty none but the impudent little rogues who can name the person and the church before you think of either and undress and go to bed before you the next hour should think of running away with a man i am not in the right train now every hour i doubt not will give me an increasing interest in the affections of this proud beauty i have just carried unpoliteness far enough to make her afraid of me and to show her that i am no whiner every instance of politeness now will give me double credit with her my next point will be to make her acknowledge a lambent flame a preference of me to all other men at least and then my happy hour is not far off and acknowledge reciprocality in love sanctifies every little freedom and little freedoms beget greater and if she call me ungenerous i can call her cruel the sex love to be called cruel many a time have i complained of cruelty even in the act of yielding because i knew it gratified the fair one's pride i had a mind to alarm her with something furthest from my purpose for as much as she disliked my motion i intend nothing by it mrs osgood is too pious a woman and would have been more her friend than mine i had a view moreover to give her an high opinion of her own sagacity i love when i dig a put to have my prey tumble in with secure feet and open eyes then a man can look down upon her with an oh ho charmer how came you there monday april seventeenth i have just now received a fresh piece of intelligence from my agent honest joseph lehman thou knowest the history of poor miss betterton of nottingham james harlowe is plotting to revive the resentments of her family against me the harlowes took great pains some time ago to endeavour to get to the bottom of that story but now the foolish devils are resolved to do something in it if they can my head is working to make this booby squire a plotter and a clever fellow in order to turn his plots to my advantage supposing his sister shall aim to keep me at arm's length when in town and to send me from her i will in proper time let thee see joseph's letter and what i shall answer to it to know in time a designed mischief is with me to disappoint it and to turn it upon the contriver's head end of letter thirty five